Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome to the Baseball Notes podcast. We appreciate you joining us here today. And today's guest is none other than Eric Burns. And not only is Eric very accomplished, played for over 11 seasons in the major leagues, has won awards for his work with the MLB Network, and is manager of the Savannah Bananas, which has taken the world by storm, but Eric is also just an awesome guy. Just brings uh, level 10 energy to everywhere he goes, and uh, I've gotten to know him a little bit over the last year, year and a half, and uh, just a genuinely good guy, and just full of wisdom, um, great storytellers. He's going to share some with you today, and we're going to talk a lot about his upbringing, how he became successful, the practice habits, very practical advice, and also a lot of mindset stuff. And the attitude that will really help players succeed in this very difficult game. And this is a conversation that Eric and I had with a private group. We had a mastermind group this past summer with Baseball Notes. And so it was on his No Filter Network, which is a video conferencing deal. Uh, it was me and my son sitting next to each other. And uh, we have some Q&A at the end also where we brought in some younger players to ask some questions. So a uh, really cool conversation. I wanted to clue you guys in. Uh, just so much wisdom here. And before we get started, for anybody that's looking to improve their swing or any parent that's looking for ways to you know, help their player improve at the plate, I've been fortunate enough to partner with Mike Brumley, one of the best hitting coaches alive. And Mike has spent over 40 years at the professional level, whether as a player or as a coach. And during his time in Taiwan, he didn't speak a lick of Chinese. And so he had to develop methods that force players into these good positions. And we've now made his Brum bands available to the public. So it comes in a set of three. We've got the body band, which helps with posture and balance on a young hitter. The cuffs go around the wrist. They allow for that player to keep a good wrist position throughout the swing so they don't get that wristy rollover. And the slot bands are just excellent. They go on either the lead arm or the rear arm and just keep from casting and that early barrel release, which we see with almost all young hitters. So we've gotten excellent reviews on those. So be sure to check out those Brum bands. You can find them on baseballnotes.com and uh, we'll send them out to you real quick, ready for this baseball season. So without further ado, here's our conversation with Eric Burns. Well, yeah, let's just go ahead and start. I know we've talked before, you know, you were a UCLA guy and, and uh, all those types of things. And, and it's easy to be like, oh, this guy just had the golden path the whole way through. And, you know, I want to know, you know, your dad, he, did he have a baseball background? Not at all. Not the slightest, but he was a 4-3 black belt in Kimball Karate. And, and so, you know, I think that that's the first thing that I would want to kind of tell parents like if i if i made it from portola valley california this tiny little town is like this old cowboy town on the border of portola valley and woodside uh, and with two parents that had no baseball background uh, and like it's i i firmly believe and anyone can right now even better though is that my cousin who was two years younger than me his parents never played baseball. And he ended up being the all-time hits leader in Pac-12 history with the Stanford and then made it to the big leagues as well. His name's John Gall. But we literally to this day will sit around and laugh about the fact that, man, like, the how did we ever make it? But this goes back to the old concept of da, 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 one foot in front of the other. That was it. We played baseball. We loved baseball. We were pretty good at baseball. We both became obsessed with baseball. He had somebody to chase. I was always chasing. I think, you know, I might even touch on this last week when we talked on, you know, the parenting, the ball player thing about my neighbor, Tony Castleman, who would come over. He was one of the best pitchers in the Little League. He was five years older and he would just fire tennis balls at me. And I, I, you know, I couldn't hit it. I couldn't hit it. I couldn't hit it. And pretty soon I start fouling some off and pretty soon I start squaring some up. And then I end up going and I get drafted after one year of T-ball into the majors little league. And I'm standing in right field. I'm swatting flies and I'm getting one at bat a game. And then when I was 10, I was, I was playing every day and you know, I, I was, I was okay. But I was 11. I, I made the all-star team. There was only one back then. So it was, you know, 11s and 12s basically. And, Turned into a pretty good player. By the time I was 12, like, yeah, I was a man. But there was this process. And then, you know, I'm 13. You got to do it all over again. 
Now I'm right. I'm a 13 year old playing senior league. There was no travel ball in the day, especially for the youngins. And so I'm chasing 15 year olds. So I did that 13 and 14. And then I'm 15. And that's when I played on my first travel ball team. And that was the Peninsula Mets. And that was my first taste of real baseball. But I went to St. Francis. I'll never forget this. And, and let this be a, a lesson, I think, for all the kids out there. St. Francis is a really good athletic school in Northern California. And it's when you go there, you're taking a risk because there's a very good chance you're just not going to make a sports team, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, it doesn't matter. Like you're taking a chance that if you love sports and you're going there to play sports, you better be good. And I'll never forget going out to the freshman baseball practice, play catch for 10 minutes, five fly balls, five ground balls, five swings off the pitching machine. Fouled the first one off. I think I swung and missed at one. A couple weak ground balls and a pop-up. All right. See you tomorrow. And, uh, names will be posted on the door of Raskob Gym. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> so I knew it. I just knew I was cut. It was done. I, I was okay with it. And, right? There's all these athletes there. Not only are there athletes there, there was also sort of this click that I, I felt was there like, these guys that they knew that had older siblings that uh, the Ryan Tolners of the world, the Matt Doyles of the world. And, uh, you know, these guys are great, great dudes and they're all, all my friends. Uh, but they had this special sort of end because they had such they were legacy kids at St. Francis. And who was I? I wasn't anybody. So I go home that night and I tell my mom, I said, do me a favor. Make me a promise. If I show up tomorrow and on that gym door. My name's not there. Can I transfer? And immediately she's like, why? I said, well, I'm going to be a big leaguer. And in order to be a big leaguer, i got to play baseball. Make sense? She's like, yep, sure. Let's go. Took me to, took me to school. I was so sure I didn't bring my books. Took me there. I get there. All of a sudden, 8 o'clock, here comes Dave Ferreira, freshman baseball coach, posted names on the door, and all the all the kids. I mean, 50 kids, dude. 50 kids for you know, 12 to 15 spots, maybe. Everyone rushes, you know, ah, you know, kids like walking away, head down, kids, ah, all excited. So I go up there, and I couldn't really see, and I'm looking at all the names. It was, it was you know, Matt, Ryan, Kenny, Brendan, Brian, Zach. All the way down to the last name on the list, Chris. And I couldn't see the last names. I go, okay. I said, this is it. I'm going to Woodside High School. I, I, per a spare out of straw through hardships to the stars, no big deal. Happens. Uh, but I'm going to make sure I look at this list one more time because these are all the names that I'm going to gun for to make sure I'm a better player than each and every one of these guys as I continue to go forward and play this game. And so when I get to the last name, Maybe I'll get Matt Doyle, Ryan Tolner, Brendan Royer, Brian Royer, uh, Kenny, Kenny, uh, Kenny Arisso, Kenny Fluharty. Get to the last name, Chris Burns. I'm like, Chris Burns, man. I mean, I've been at St. Francis for, I, you know, by this point it was almost the spring, right? So you know, three, four months, whatever it is, and I, I had never met a Chris Burns, so I went running after the baseball coach as he was walking away. He had his morning PE class. And I'm like, Coach Ferreira, Coach Ferreira. And he turns around. He's like, what can I do for you, Chris? I said, nothing. I'll see you at practice. We're all good. Call me whatever you want, just as long as I made that team. Like, we're, we're, we're fantastic. And that, I mean, that was it. And, you know, I know what, there's another guy that actually got cut from the freshman team that ended up going to Gun High School, a guy by the name of John Cannon. And then he ended up going to play baseball at UCLA. And then he ended up playing in the minor leagues for a long time. So it just goes to show you, like, we think we have it all figured out. We think we know who's going to be the best at 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. And I, I'm here to tell you that we have absolutely no clue. No, dude, that is a fantastic story. That's really great. Um, you know, at this age, I think especially with social media and just the way travel ball set up, it almost feels like 
you know, we felt an urgency at like seven U, you know what I mean? Like they're starting to form these little teams and, you know, your kids, you know, maybe not quite ready for that yet. Or, you know, do we be on the good team or not? And it's starting to feel like that train's leaving without you. And, you know, now, you know, my son's 12, he's about to be 13. And we're finding it again where, you know, you're starting to lead up into high school and, you know, some kids are the size of men and some are are not. And you're like, well, God, am I out because I'm not a grown man yet? And you start to, you know, I think there's probably a lot of anxiety in the baseball world of just fear of the future. And, you know, I, I graduated high school at 17. I was 135 pounds. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. and, and this day and age, man, that would have been really hard. <laughs> to to do that and so i think it's really useful for for people to hear that story of like dude that was eric burns like he he was doubting he, he told his mom you know that that uh, he wanted to transfer if he didn't get a get a chance you know so um you know it's just a matter of staying with it getting the opportunity and then hey you have a good season on the right season and then you never know right so that's that's really good and what i think the most important thing if you want to be a baseball player you gotta play baseball you got to play it. So you have to figure out what it, now it might not be, you might not be playing at the Primo high school that you thought you were going to go to. You might not be playing on the Primo travel team that you thought you were going to play on, but you just got to play. That's the only way you'll ever get better. So it's, you know, really just a matter if you're a kid and you're going through this process and ideally you do have those big league dreams. Now, whether or not you play in the big leagues, I mean, it's not up to your parents. It's not up to us. It's not up to anybody else but but you. And there's also some breaks and stuff that are going to have to line up and go your way uh, throughout the entire process. But the one thing that you can control as a young baseball player is playing for the most part. So get out there, play, enjoy, figure out a way to get better every single day because you're either getting better or worse. If you're not, if you, that you are not staying the same, I promise you change is constant in this world. Change is constant with each and every one of our kids. I it, it's beautiful when I can show up at the ballpark and I really don't know which kid's going to be the best kid that day. I, I have no idea. And we have some good players on our team too. And I look at it and I'm like, these guys are pushing each other. That's what that tells me. These guys are constantly striving. Ta, 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 ta. If you're always a dude, yeah, be careful. And, 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 you know, we got, don't get me wrong, we got a couple dudes, dudes. But what makes it so awesome is even as great as they are right now, at any point, it, it, they're not even necessarily guys that we have to rely on. It, it's, the, it's the depth. I I know this may sound a bit harsh, but it, it's something that I've tried to implement in, in whether it was with the let them play baseball team or the Savannah Bananas, make it very clear that we're all replaceable. We really are. Like this game is going to go on without all of us. So... Enjoy your time here. Be grateful for every moment that you have to be in the trenches and to be in the grind and be next to your boys and experience this. Uh, it, it's there's nothing like it. And, and I, I don't know how you feel after you get done coaching for a weekend, but I, I know on Monday, and we, you know this was the seven games and what three four days, and I was <sighs> the only other thing I ever felt like that I've done uh, other than you know coaching these baseball games. And I felt that exhausted was running the Western States 100, which is, a, you know, this epic hundred mile race. Like it literally, it takes that much out of me, but you know, you know, you know why we do that? Cause we, that's, yeah, we love that. That's raw. It's real. It's, you don't, you forget about all of the other stuff and you become completely immersed to the moment. And, and that's why this game's so great. It's it's every single weekend that we have a chance to get out there. It's shared experience, and it's not just about winning. It's not you know it's it's literally about your know, education experience. I said it nine thousand times, but it's the two things my dad said he could give me that nobody would ever be able to take away: education experience. And so long as we continue to educate ourselves, educate our kids, and go through these experiences together, we're living life.
Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. That's a well said. To, well, well put right there. And so um, I wanted to talk about something that you know you talk about embracing challenges. You know, like like being the dude, being the guy that just rolls out of bed at 13 and just can hit. Um, well, that's not great. We want to develop work ethic. And can you tell me the uh, the Iron Mike story? I, I'd like for everybody to hear what you did whenever you were. I, I don't know if it's in high school or middle school, but can you explain? Um, exactly what was going on with that and, and, and how that worked out for you. Yeah. So my dad had never played baseball, chucked some Ninja stars back in the day. So <laughs> he would take me out to the Patola Valley town center. And I've always been a kid that's been pretty obsessed. Like I, I just, I, I love training. I love moving. I love competing. And so he would, I'd wait for him to get home from work and boom, as soon as he's home from work, me, you know, straight down to the town center and he'd throw me BP and throw me BP and throw me BP and throw me BP and throw me. I'm hundreds of balls. And I just keep banging, 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 banging. So for my 13th birthday, they got me an Iron Mike pitching machine. And I, you know, I, I remember going down there because they thought they were funny. They're like, yeah, we got you a, got you a new friend for your birthday. His name's Mike. I'm like, what? And it ended up being, you know, Iron Mike. And so I was 13 years old. I cranked it up as hard as it could go. Uh, you know, which I don't know if it was 90 miles per hour, but I, I probably from the distance, cause it was shorter too, is the equivalent of a 90 mile per hour fastball. Once again, the swing and miss, the swing and miss, the foul balls, the foul balls. And all I would try to do is hit it right back up the machine. Boom, boom, boom. Pretty soon. Just whack, whack, whack. So people say you can't train quick twitch. That's BS. You can train quick twitch. Is it? How, how much is going to improve? Yeah, sure. Now it gets into your genetics and everything else, but you definitely can train quick twitch. So I'm banging balls off the Iron Mike pitching machine. Fast forward three years later, I'm 16 years old, 15, 16, just get called up to the varsity at St. Francis High School. And Dan Serafini, who's the number one pitching prospect, uh, left-handed pitching prospect in the country, is on the mound for Sarah, which is the same high school that Tom Brady went to, Barry Bonds went to. And Serafini is blowing gas, man. 94 miles per hour from the left side. And nobody could touch him. I get in there, just got called up, and almost take his head off three times. I'm talking absolute bull. Just <laughs> after the game, Chris Bradford, legendary San Francisco coach, comes up and he's like, Razai, Razai, that's Serafini. You kidding me? You almost took his head off three times? And 50 scouts in the stance too. How'd you do it? How'd you do it? And I'm like, coach, I've been hitting off Dan Serafini in my backyard for three years. Just like riding a bike, man. And that was the first time I must have gotten on any scouts radar. Obviously, there's a sophomore kid that is, is tearing up a dude that's going to be a you know, first-round draft pick. And uh, you know, then from there... It, it was just ingrained in me that I knew what I had to do in order to have success. And it's, it's not an accident. There's no secrets about it. It's, it's simply you're going to get out what you put in. You're going to get out what you put in. If you're willing to put in the work, if you're willing to make the sacrifices, if you're willing to dedicate yourself, if you're willing to be obsessed, if you're willing to work when nobody else is looking, don't just do it because your dad's there. Do it when he's not there. Do it because you want to do it. That's the biggest key. Do it because it matters to you. Do it because you know one day you're going to have your Dan Serafini moment and there's going to be 50 scouts in the stands. The question is going to be, what are you going to do with it? Yeah, dude, that's that that's awesome. That gives me chills right there. And that's I've I've heard many stories of that. It's not, you know, whenever somebody gets their break, it's rarely this a huge accumulation of successes. It's just kind of having that one moment, you know, when you when people were there and you were ready and uh preparing is is, you know, is excellent there. I told a story. We just did a uh, a clinic here locally, like a, a mindset camp. First one we've done and I share a story, a big regret of mine <clears throat> when I was in the minor leagues with the Astros, they just brought out this brand new pitching machine. And I don't even know what the name of it was, but it's this big black box. I'm sure you've seen it. It has like a little red and green light and it just kind of shoots out a ball, right? And it can 
throw sliders, throw fastballs. And uh, anyway, I was a guy, I could hit a little bit of fastball, but the slider was not my thing, right? And uh, so anyways, this thing's throwing some sliders and I'm out there with my buddies and I'm terrible at it. And one of the, I don't want to say it was a regret, but just looking back, I'm like, what a mistake it was, was that what I felt was embarrassment. I I didn't like my buddies seeing me about snap off my wood bats here in the batting cage off this slider machine. So you know what I did? I kind of found my way into the cage where the coach was throwing the, uh, you know, 40 foot little lob BP at me. And uh, so then I go into games and I'm seeing sliders coming in at 89 miles an hour. And uh, was I prepared for them? No, I was not. Right. And so the fact that I let I, sh- you know, I should have just locked myself in a room with that cage and be like, you know what? I'm not going home tonight. I'm just going to go and sit on the slider machine and prepare myself. And I wasn't willing to just really embrace that challenge. You know what I mean? Like I just I, it was just too hard for me. I was embarrassed. I didn't want to do it. And so when I hear about, you know, 13 year old you that was willing to like hey, hitting, hitting those balls back off the machine sounds really fun. But I mean, are you willing to go weeks, a month of just missing? You know what I mean? Like, that's hard. Like, there's people who go 10 pitches and be like, ah, yeah, this, this, is, this is no fun at all. Like, I'm out on that. But it really seems like being willing to take on a challenge and be like, hey, I'm working on it, right? Like, we're working on it. It's like a video game. You get a new one, you know, kids have no problem. Like, hey, level one, I'm terrible. Like, I'm just bad at it. Like, you just start over, you keep going, yeah. and then you just continue to get better and better at it. But it's that willingness to try something hard that uh, I just thought that was an excellent story. You know what I mean? Of just, just like, yeah, of course you're prepared. Like you're more prepared than them because you're training harder. Like that's it's just kudos to you. Yeah, you have to be willing to be uncomfortable and you have to be willing to fail and accept failure and be okay with failure. We have a drill based on my childhood and upbringing and how I feel like I got to the big leagues called TV cheddar cheese, where I take a tennis ball. I get 40 feet away from the kids and I throw it as hard as I can. And <laughs> it comes in at 75 miles per hour, maybe 80 if I decide to hump up. But these kids for the most part have no chance when they first get in there. <laughs> and we had a couple Texas kids play with us and they looked like, one of them wouldn't get in the cage the first day when we were Rocker B. I, I, I'm like, you want some of this? And he's like, uh-uh. uh-uh. And I was okay with that because we were going on the first game. But the next time we did it, that kid showed up. And he actually hit it. And he hit it well. But I think in his mind, it was the same thing that you're talking about. Where, man, like I just met these kids. I don't want to get out there and I know I'm not going to hit this and this is really hard and like whatever. But even if you watch the kids, including my own that have done this for a long time, like, Hey, they're still going to swing and miss. But guess what? When we got into the game and we got into the semifinals and the dude on the mound throwing damn near 70, I, it's like, we've already seen this. I want them to be shocked by nothing nothing that they see on the mound. There was actually a kid that got pulled. And I think this might've been in the quarterfinals. Big lefty. Had him been bringing in mid to upper 60s. And it it was, might've been the hardest we had seen to that point, at at least in in Texas at Rockerby. And the coach comes out and he takes the guy out. And we 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 had hit him. And we hit him good. And I saw my kid, my kid was coming up and he was just like this. Oh, no. And he kind of like bangs the ground. And I'm in the third base coach's box. I'm like, come here. What? Like, we just knocked this guy out of the game. Because I know daddy, but I wanted to face him. I'm like, okay. And I wasn't sure how to react. I just said, look. I said, understand that could be misperceived as you being disrespectful for whatever reason. So don't, don't show your emotions like that. Now, the cool thing is, I said, like, why do you want to face him? I said, she said, because he throws hard. I said, yeah, okay. I said, good. And you should want to face him. And those are the type of guys that are going to eventually 
make us better. I've had to go the other way with the kids too now. And I've told them because it's a pretty common strategy that you'll see when you're a, a hard slugging majors team is that the other team will try to throw their softest guy at you and keep you off balance out. It's a huge, they do it all the time in youth baseball. And we had to make an adjustment the other day. And it was in, I was, I was proud of the boys because we actually did, but I would tell all baseball players and yeah, it's great to train the fast twitch and the fat, you get ready for the fastball and you know, yes, everyone would love to hit 90. And I, I do think we need to train that way because everything still works off of the fastball, but work on the other stuff, work on the off speed, work on staying back, work on seeing the baseball out of the pitcher's hand, work on picking up spin, like all these little things, they're important. Like when, when you're, you know, what are you doing when they change pitchers? What, what are you doing? Are you, are you, are you sitting around talking to your buddies playing grab ass and yeah, yeah, yeah. Or are you, you up, you up there timing them up, timing them up, timing them up every single time you're out in that on deck circle. This isn't hangout time. This is time to lock it in. Let's talk about that. I want to touch on your uh, your big league career for a bit because everybody sees you know, Eric Burns and they think of the you know great years with the A's and with the Diamondbacks. And you know, was there times in your career that you know you doubted yourself or felt like quitting? Or I mean, everybody thinks big leagues is just like oh man, good hotels, glory. Uh, but man, I mean, those, those worries that people have when they're younger, you know, seem like they don't really go away. I mean, what, can you tell us about like a, a, a down period of your career or some slumps or, um, just, just share that with the kids? Yeah, plenty. I, I, you know, I think like worry and doubt it's, it's 100% within our control. We're the ones that decide to worry. Like, no one's ever forcing us to worry. No one's ever forcing us to doubt. We're the ones 100% responsible for that. We are only the victim if we perceive ourselves to be the victim. Uh, and, and that's it. So I, I've always been big on, on accountability and taking responsibility for whatever it is. And sure, there's times and situations where obviously, quote, it wasn't my fault. Uh, but I, I, I still would slow it down. And, and I'd, rather, I'd rather take responsibility for whatever happens and then think about what I could possibly do next time to do it better, to do it more efficient, to do it more effectively. But I, you know, in all of it, uh, we can control a certain amount of things and we can't control a, a ton of other things. Uh, Carl Keel, this was, and I might've told you this before, but I, I, after, so I got to the big leagues in 2000. And when I got to the big leagues, I, I, it was like this big thing. I, I signed in 98, got the big leagues in 2000, absolutely crushed it through the minor leagues. And when I get called up, two knocks in my first game, uh, flying high, A's are in a pennant race. Like, it's so, so much fun. Two days later, two days later, I get sent back down. Over the course of that next, I don't know, year, year and a half, I went up and down nine times. Not because of the way I played, but more because I just happened to be that 25th, 26th guy. If they needed a pitcher, I was the guy to go down. Uh, for whatever reason, they needed a left-handed bat or an infielder. I was the guy to go down. And it was always going back and forth, back and forth. And it was frustrating. And then finally, in 2003 is when Jermaine Dye got hurt. And in the middle of the game, Adam Pyatt was supposed to go in. Terry Francona, who was the bench coach, is like, Pyatt, grab your glove. And Ken Maka, who was our manager, at the last second, kind of like stiff arms Pyatt sort of thing. As goes, Burns, get your ass out there. And I'm like, huh? What? Uh, well, uh, all disheveled and I grab my hat and glove and uh, sprint out the outfield as fast as I can. And I think the funny, the funny thing is, I don't think I get that opportunity unless I 
am who I am. And I played the way I played because it was a day game. It was sort of this sluggish, short environment. And Adam Pyatt was ahead of me on the depth chart. Like, he was always the guy that was going to get the start or go in. And I have to imagine, I know, I guess we could ask him uh, if I ever run into him again here, but ask Mock, like, why, why, why me? Why at that time? And I, I got to believe it was because if he's like, if nothing else, we're going to get a spark. The guys are going to get juiced up and probably laugh as I you know, sprint out to the outfield and everything else. And then the day before, Kurt Gibson has signed a bat for me. And on the bat, he said, I times V equals R. I times V equals R. So I, I had no idea what it meant. And I went up to him that day before the game. And I said, you know, give me a, this a bat. I said, it says I times V equals R. Two Eric, I times V equals R. What, like, what does that mean? And Gibby was just uh, he's a beautiful soul, but he could be brash and he's hitting focus like <sighs> image times vividness equals reality. The more vividly you imagine something, the more likely it is to become your reality. Now leave me alone. <laughs> Hits his fungo again. So I kept thinking of myself, I times V equals R. I times V equals R. I times V equals R. So now I'm in the outfield. I'm like, I times V equals R. Image times vividness equals reality. Image times vividness equals reality. So I, I try to imagine myself like making plays. Like you're standing out there. What do you think in your mind when you're out there? That's it. I mean, that's the question. Like if I'm, and I'm out there, I'm just like, I'm thinking of like balls about to be hitting the gap. I'm, I'm going, wait, okay, short and in, I'm here. There's only so many balls. Like it, right, the, the one maybe, maybe, maybe right at me where I have to, have to do this. I'm, I'm imagining me making these plays. Boom, 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 boom. Next thing you know, ball hitting a gap. Whack, got it. Ball hit down the line. Whack, got it. Meantime, I'm up there. Come up. Bat, like, base hit, base hit. Boom, barrel. Imagine seeing the guy more vividly. I can imagine more likely to rally. Okay, boom. Whack, whack. Two base hits out the middle. Helped us win the game. One of them huge. Next day, got the start. Couple more hits. Next day, got the start. Couple more hits. Next day, got the start. Couple more hits. 22 straight games. 22 straight games. I hit in 22, which like there is very few major leaguers who have ever hit in over 20 games. Uh, it happens what a couple times a year. I, it's it's a it's not a, a common sort of thing, and that was my way of of holding them hostage and making sure that I was in the lineup. Uh, there there was no other way to do it. So I mean, remember that it's like you know the kids that. <sighs> I hate to say it, but the, you know, a lot of it is like you want to play more, you want to hit higher, whatever it is you want to do, you want to play like get better, get better. Show me, show show me in practice. I show me in a game. Show me you could do it in practice, then show me you could do it in a game, and you know, then even then, I, I'll give you an example. Like lineup construction, I think a lot of it's semantics. I I truly do. Now I I, but I think there's a a tone that you need to set and i so i was a guy that would hit lead off one day and then i would hit clean up the next and then i would hit ninth the next and then i might be out of the lineup the day after that i'm not kidding like it was i was all over the board and the one thing that and i remember i, I would talk to my my coaches you know about this like bob belvin who's the manager of san Diego padres right now I'd be like, Bob, like, why? Like, like and, and do you want me doing anything differently? And he goes, no, just do you. He goes, the days I put you at lead off are the days that I want that. Because mm, I know you'll, you know, like I was an aggressive hitter. You throw me a first pitch fastball. I want to set the tone. If that's it, if the, that was his approach, and then I would, he'd be the guy, like, I'm like the sacrificial thing. And you know what? If I pop up the first pitch or I swing and miss and look like an ass, like, he didn't care. He's like, this, this, is the, this is the mentality we're going to roll with today. And the next day, it might have just made sense for me to hit four. Based on personnel, based on maybe there's a left-handed pitcher. I, I don't know, what, you know, whatever it was in the, in the thinking behind it. But so I ended up uh, 2003, 2004, 2005, all, all pretty good years with the A's. Traded, as soon as you think you're going to play in one spot for the longest time, traded to Baltimore, excuse me, to Colorado. Was there for two weeks. And as soon as I felt like I was getting settled, I got traded to Baltimore. I was there for two months in Baltimore. And uh, 
then after that, it was uh, Lee Mazzilli was there. He had traded for he had he had been the guy behind the trade. Lee Mazzilli was the, the manager of the team, and I show up, and it's like eight in the morning. Stack of pancakes, plate of bacon, cigarette in his mouth, big thing of coffee, you know, right next to him. He's like, yo, Bernsey, I'm trying to get you here for a long time. Here's the deal. I got three rules. You show up on time, you play hard, and you steal every F in time you get on base. You're my starting left fielder. I'm like, oh, yeah, man. This is my guy. (laughs) <laughs> here we go and i i never had somebody say like i'm their guy right like i, ne- I never i just never had it and so i went out there hit my first 11 games with the baltimore orioles and then lee mazzilli got fired coincided with the trip back to oakland i i, I tried too hard like right when you want to try to go kill your old team went over oakland and then after that the, i i got non-tendered which uh, was essentially released and ended up signing with Arizona. And uh, and then that journey began there. And, you know, I ended up having, um, because of the this, this whole controllables and uncontrollable, I had a meeting with Carl Keel. He wrote The Mental Game of Baseball. If you guys have not read the book, read it. And I showed up at this Caro's. Uh, he, had, he, had, he had called me. He's like, I, I want to debrief last season with you. He was the ace uh, mental strength guy. And we, we'd always been really tight. And he takes a napkin. And he goes, on this side of the paper, you write all the things you can control. And he's like, on this one, you write all the things you can. I'm like, okay, it was a napkin. And I wrote all the things I could control. And it was, you know, attitude, effort, work ethic, um, uh, you know, approach. Uh, again, preparation, which all kind of goes, you know, with that. And then on the other side was just like everything else. Weather umpires playing time and, and ultimately like you think you control play time you don't you don't you control how how you play but you can't control where you where you hit the lineup you can't control that so why are you ever going to put any effort any energy into all these things you can't control so he said you don't worry about one thing not one thing on this side and we focus on this let's have a call every week let's said done and that's what we did every single week refresher 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 uh, you're only going to get better at this if you feed it if you don't feed it if you starve this this mental game it's going to go away and that was it there was carl we just we had this consistent routine of talking every single monday went out hit 26 home runs stole 25 bases the next year hit over 20 home runs again uh hit 20 homers stole 50 bases was one of 11 players in the history of baseball to ever do that one of 11 players that was it and then ended up signing a three-year deal with Arizona. And that was, uh, that was it. I mean, I, you know, tore, tore a hamstring, broke a hand. We all have our sob story. Went to Seattle for a short minute and decided I was, I was, I was ready to move on. But it, it, it I mean, just, it's such a beautiful game. And now getting back involved, I mean, from the analytics side of, of being an analyst on TV and, you know, that's really fun. And, and, and doing this here on No Filter and doing the shows that I do here, the, the, it's awesome. Uh, but there's nothing like being on a field, man. And, and becoming the head coach of the Savannah Bananas during that world tour and, you know, pinch hitting myself and getting back into uh, taking real swings and, and really immersing myself in that baseball life. And then, you know, doing what we do with the Let Them Play team. There's nothing better. There really is. This game is a, it's, it'll forge relationships that will last a lifetime. And there's a love that I know I have for the game. And I see it through all the people, most of the people that I deal with within this game uh, that continues to to bring us together. And, and, you know, maybe even something like this, Clint, I mean, this is, this is awesome because ultimately it's about taking the knowledge that we've acquired over the years through our experiences as players and coaches and fathers and now passing that on to the next generation to do everything we can to make this the most awesome experience possible. Let's let's ask a couple of questions. I know um, let's go with Matt. I'm about to botch that last name. Let's see. What's up, dudes? What's up? Oh, my God. Um, so my question is, what's your advice for being able to let go of a mistake and move on from it? 
I think the best thing that you could do is be okay with your mistakes. Understand that failure is part of a game. And at a time when you feel like you want to slump over, put your head down, maybe even yellow profanity, crawl into a rabbit hole and go hide. That's a time when I want you to stick your chest out, hold your head up high. Give me the next one. That matters. That ma- That's what I'm looking for as a coach. How are you? Go- Everyone's going to make mistakes. How are you going to respond to that mistake? I always tell the boys on our travel team, who wants it? Who wants it? And it's like, there was a kid last week, right in the middle. Usually I don't hear anything, right? Like, but the, 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 you, you kind of see some head nods and stuff. The kid goes, oh, gee, coach, gee, I want it. I want it. I'm like, hell yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. want it. Because every chance that you have when the ball gets hit to you, you have it, you have an opportunity to make a play. So remember that, like you always, there's always going to be another opportunity. And this, it's, it's not a life or death situation. This is go out there, give it your all. Think about the process more than the result. Don't think about having to make the play or having to get the big hit. What's the process? What do we have to do if we're going to get the hit? We got to see the ball in the hand. We got to keep it simple. I, I talk about A to B. Let me show you guys A to B because it, it's huge with, I don't have a bat here, but if I'm hitting and this is the knob of the bat, that's A. A is the knob of the bat going back towards the catcher. B is now we're in the slot and we're coming here. And so the A to B is what I want the kids to focus. I, I, go, I go, see the ball in the hand, see the ball in the hand, A to B, keep it short, keep it simple, process. And remember this as a hitter. Guys, there's nothing to lose. I mean, you're up there. It's like the pitcher's supposed to get you out 70% of the time, at least at the big league level. And and so you, you you should have no fear. Free and fearless, two words, write them down. Write them down, put them over your bed at night. Free and fearless. Play free, play fearless. That's it. You guys are able to do that. You'll watch your game go to an entirely uh, new level. Thank you. No, that's Absolutely. awesome, dude. Good question. Are you Matt, or is that your dad's name? What's your, you Matt? Matt, that's my dad's name, Matt. What's your name? Lucas. Lucas, good question, Lucas, man. We appreciate it, dude. Yeah, so, uh, it's my brother, Michael. What's up, Michael? <laughs> Glad to have you, boss. All right, let's get another couple questions in before Michael, uh, before Eric's got to go, so... But it says Laura right here. Uh, she has a question, and I'll, I'll hit this one before yeah. Amanda comes on. But it, it says, have you ever had a slump, and how did you have it? Of course, everybody slumps. Mike Trout just went over 26. And there's uh, Mr. Young Miller. What's up, dude? What's how your name, ya? boss? What? What's your name? Oh, Landon. Landon. What's up, Landon? Well, you got a question for Eric? Let's hear it, dude. Um. What's the favorite team you played for? A great question. So, Landon, I came up with the Oakland A's, and that was a really special group of guys. If you've ever seen the movie Moneyball, I'm not sure if you have yet, but I'm sure you will hear shortly if you haven't. It was all about the 2002 Oakland A's team that won 20 consecutive games. And what, Matt, what made that team so special is that we would have 23 out of 25 guys go to dinner at night, sit around and have milk and cookies at the end of the night too. Like it was all about the fellowship and much like you probably are with your buddies on whatever team that you play on. That's the most important thing is the relationships that you make are, are it's absolutely everything. So I, that and that's what makes that's what makes a good team. The Arizona Diamondbacks was the other team in 2007 that was very much like that, where we had that camaraderie and 
again, we would we would go out um, and you know share these experiences on the field, but then we would go share uh, even more experiences off of it, and we genuinely enjoyed being around each other and genuinely rooted for each other, which a lot of times you're not going to see at, at the professional level because you know this guy over here is trying to take your job, but when you have uh, 25 guys pulling in the same direction. That's when great things happen and movies get made about your team. Awesome. Awesome question, Landon. I brought on uh, one other person here real quick and, uh, and they should be loading up here in just a second, but, uh, but no, that's good. I had a manager once. He said that, um, you know, championships are won in the, in the clubhouse. He says, if, if one person's going to the restaurant after, after the game, everybody's going you know what i mean and, and it was just all about the vibe it wasn't so much talent everybody's got some talent at a certain point but uh yeah. you know having having that energy it sounds cliche but there's really seems like there's something to it so so laura talking about the slump thing like everybody slumps mike trout just went over 26 barry bonds uh, who is the greatest hitter that i've ever seen in my lifetime he would go through slumps i i, I think <clears throat> the Biggest thing that that you, you should focus on, the, the number one just technical thing. First of all, if you're slumping, let's get it out of your head. Just eliminate it. That, number, number one, you want to recognize it? Sure. Fine, I'm in a slump. I, I, I get it. Like, it got to a point, though, where I, I just would, I would refuse. I would refuse to say. Now, understand, I'm not getting hits right now. What's the process to get me back to getting hits. And I could tell you because I see our kids go through it. I saw the banana players go through it. The number one reason why people go in slumps. What do you think it is, Mason? Stress. That will add on to a slump. And that will, and, and because what happens with stress, remember this, stress creates tension. Tension is, is resistance. So if I'm stressed and I'm up here and I'm squeezing the sod off, off the bat and you can see my forearm is flexing and everything else and, I, and I'm going to swing, what's happening? My bat speed's slowing down, right? Loose muscles are quick muscles, quick muscles, fast muscles, fast muscles, powerful muscles, free, fearless, you know, back to that. But the number one reason why people go in slumps, pitch selection. What's the name of the game? We got to get a good ball to hit. And what happens a lot of times, and Clint, I'm sure you've seen this thousand times. You got a kid, you swing the, you know, you swing the bat well, a couple, boom, line drive here, boom, line drive here, boom, line. All of a sudden, a couple get caught. Now, now I'm going to try to do too much, and 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 now I'm lifting off the ball, and now my head's flying, and this is dipping, and and, and everything else. And we try too hard. It, it's like, you know, the worst thing we could do as parents, mentors, coaches, whatever, is like, like try harder. It's like, eh, no, try easier. Try easier. Loosen up. Smile. I, we, we had a kid on the mound closing out the championship game at Rocker B Ranch. And we had, there's a couple guys on, two guys on. It was 9-7 championship game, two guys on. And I go out there and have a conversation. I go over the logistics of like what we're going to do here, what we're going to do here. I said, all right, last thing, one more thing. He's like, uh, smile. He goes, <laughs> and then he laughs. And, and I, I go, this was fun. Let's go. Boom. Next pitch, ground ball, shortstop, ball game. Right? Like, there, it's, that's it. That's, that's the key. I, like, like, you know, Loosen up, relax, have fun. Understand it's a game. Understand that, like how you know. I think gratitude is really important. You you need to you need to be thankful for it for everything that that you're getting out there, and realize that the game goes in cycles. And so when you're going to deal with a slump, like look, it, it, this is going to go back the other way, and, and and when it goes the other way, that freight train. Yeah, here we go. But go back to the process. Seeing the ball of the hand. A, B. Keep it, 
keep keeping it simple. A, B, A, B. Short, short to the ball. Barrels, barrel, barrel. And then focus on barrels. Don't get get away from results. 100% away from results. All on barrels. All on barrels. All on hard contact. All on good swings, too. There's foul balls that I love. And I want to make sure kids get rewarded. Heads out. Everything's there. Just, just underneath. All right. And let the ball travel. Best one, another one of the best ways to get out of a slump, get jammed. Get you try to jam yourself. Let the ball travel so far where, where you're waiting so long. Because what happens when you slump, you're, you're, you're jumping. Uh, the worst kind of contact you could ever possibly have is end of the bat contact. You're not trusting yourself. You're just not trusting yourself. You're not seeing the ball. You're not trusting yourself. Let the ball travel. Great hitters get jammed. Shoot the ball the other way. Start, you know, all those things are what will help get you back on track. And then when we have sessions like this, take notes. Go back, rewatch this, send this to friends. If, if you're a coach out there and you're watching this, send this to your entire team, make them watch it, and have them take notes. That, it was all stuff that I did. It was all stuff that I do. It's, I'm constantly, I had... I just finished a, a book today uh, called The One Thing, and I, 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 I started another one, this new one uh, from Michael Lewis' Undoing Project. And, like, these are all things that are, you know, pertinent to my life, you know, now. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm on a run. I'm, like, like, hopping over rocks, and I'm listening to the audiobooks, and I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. And remember, we got to feed it. And that's... Uh, it's, 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 it's just everything. We, we're not, we're, you, got, you have to be a lifelong learner. It's not going to stop. You guys, the kids think it's going to stop as soon as they get out of high school or get out of college. It's a, the learning never stops. You can't. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to take in as much. And, and as soon as you think you know it all, it's just uh, you don't. You don't. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. Those are some major success habits right there. You know, note taking, just little things like that, just making sure that you're paying attention, you know, whether it's on the baseball field or, or, or wherever it is. But it's those little, little moments like that that um, can really separate guys from the pack, you know, to being successful, just those little details. And, um, but Eric, gosh, thanks again, man. That was a wealth of knowledge. Mace, what do you say? Thank you. Yeah, yeah. We yes, sir, Mace. Thanks, so. thanks, thanks, thanks for having me, guys. And uh, remember this, swing hard in case you hit it. Swing hard in case you hit it. All right, man, we'll leave with that. So, uh, all right, everybody, take care and, uh, and, and swing hard in case you hit it. Hey, Adios. hey, Clint, Clint, oh, Clint, Mason, one more thing. See ya! <laughs>